0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Timberline. Who likes snow? Who hates it? Well, it's great to see you. Welcome. We are blessed to live in a community where there are so many great churches where we can worship freely, and you've chosen to be with us tonight. Thank you, particularly if you're a guest. And uh, if you are a guest visiting, uh, thanks for taking the risk. And uh, there's a connection card in the back of your seat. Pop that in the offering at the end, if you would. That would uh, give us a connection with you. We're not going to come by or anything, but it would be great to have a record of your visit. And if you'd like, for all of us, if you'd like more information about Timberline, the bulletin that you have there, you can also follow the the uh, sermon along as well there's an outline for you and uh, inserts in the bulletin tables in the mall and of course our website as well we have some fantastic volunteers hundreds I don't know maybe maybe thousands of volunteers who are just the best around here they they make Timberline happen and we have a a, an event happening on the 17th of February celebrate volunteers it's our annual volunteer appreciation evening If you're a volunteer around here, you are very welcome. It's uh, free. And the theme this year is All Stars Night at the Ballpark. And tickets are out there in the mall. Uh, Stop by. Pick one of those tickets up so we'll know, so I will know how many people to cook for that, (laughs) that evening. Well, we're starting a new series. Uh, this weekend, uh, a new series in the Gospel of Mark, Eyewitness News. Can you, can you imagine this opportunity? Can you imagine being able to sit down with the Apostle Peter and say to him, look, just, just tell us what it was like. Tell us what happened when you spent those years with Jesus. Well, through the Gospel of Mark, we are able to do exactly just that because mark's gospel generally is thought to be the first gospel that was written around 30 years after the death and resurrection of jesus but mark was not around jesus he was a disciple of peter probably peter's secretary and most scholars believe that mark's gospel is peter's reflections on the journey with Jesus that he experienced. And so uh, we're really excited as a teaching team about this new series. And this opening, uh, this opening night, we're going to reflect on the subject of the call of the wild, the call of the wild. If you've got a Bible, have a look with me at Mark chapter 1. We're going to look at the first eight verses this evening, but I'm going to read the first four right now. The call of the wild and Mark 1 and verse 1. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. One of the, the fun things about being a Brit, particularly about being English, <clears throat> living in America is that, that people kind of expect you to be weird. <laughs> you almost have a license to be just a little bit eccentric, and I, I find that really helpful. Um, we have lots of weird ceremonies and traditions back in England. Some of them freak me out. I, I've just been discovering some of them uh, this past week. For example, once a year, there is an event in England called bog snorkeling. Bog snorkeling basically it's as bad as it looks Uh, the participants dive into a swamp a bog wearing a mask a pair of fins and a snorkel and they race each other along a 120 feet trench filled with mud fun 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 (laughs) it's crazy Weird. Uh, Once a year in the springtime in the Cotswolds area of England, we have cheese rolling. Cheese rolling, they have a big round cheese and 20 20 young men uh, roll down the hill in hot pursuit of the dairy product. Uh, It's been described as uh, uh, 20 young men chasing a cheese off of a cliff, tumbling 200 yards to the bottom, where they're scraped up by paramedics and packed off to the hospital. (laughs) It's weird. It's weird. But maybe one of our weirdest traditions involves a guy called Black Rod, and the Queen is involved in this particular tradition. There is one place in England where I can go and Her Majesty cannot go. It is the House of Commons, the lower house of the Houses of Parliament. Uh, King Charles I, back in 1660-something, he, he tried to take over Parliament and we gave him a radical haircut, starting somewhere around here. <laughs> and ever since then, our royal family have figured out, don't go there because you're going to lose your head. And so, once a year, the Queen has to read a speech, which she didn't write, but she reads it. It's printed on goat skin, which is weird. And this guy, Black Rod, he marches to the House of Commons, that's the door of the House of Commons, and he knocks three times on the door. Uh, They open the door, and then they ceremonially slam the door in his face. It's part of the ceremony. It's our way of saying, don't you get above yourself, Queenie. We slam the door in his face, and then he knocks again and and uh, they open the door and he summons everybody to hear the queen's speech and they all go to the house of lords because she has got news about the coming political year at the beginning of mark's gospel something like that is happening it's like it's breathless it's it's like it's a big deal as mark opens with the words the beginning of the gospel we know that something big and something new is being launched we tend to think of the word gospel in 21st century terms we think the word gospel means message or good news and latterly it does but for Mark's readers it would have meant something more than message or a message because a gospel a gospel was an epoch-changing event and so, for example, when the future emperor Augustus was born, it was described as a gospel. Everything's going to be different from this moment on. That's the feeling of this word. You might, you might describe it negatively, I suppose, as a Kennedy moment. The moment that everyone remembers. Everything's going to be different. I remember... Uh, sitting up watching TV uh, when suddenly years ago in England a newscaster's face filled the screen and he said, Lady Diana has died. And I knew that as a Brit everything would be different from that moment. I think around the world as we saw tragically the first airplane go into the first of the two towers, we knew that something had shifted And change. Nothing would ever quite be the same again. Well, when Mark opens his message, he says it's a gospel, but it's not just an epoch changing event. It's good news, it's wonderful news. And he uses this word gospel seven times. And what he does is he takes us on this action-packed journey. It's very action oriented In fact, the word immediately occurs 40 times throughout the gospel. It's a, it's a breathless race through an assortment of different episodes in the life of Jesus. And it is about Jesus. The first eight chapters of the gospel of Mark. It's, it's one power encounter after another, as sicknesses are banished, as demons flee because Jesus arrives. But it's not only about the power of Jesus. It's also about his character. Mark reveals Jesus as a man for all seasons, who moves from the, the first eight chapters of power into the second eight chapters of trial and suffering and death. And he's calm and he's filled with trust. He predicts what's going to happen at his trial. He seems to know more about what's going on than anybody else there. He faces triumph. He faces suffering. And here is a message that was so relevant to Mark's listeners and is so relevant to us today. Most people believe that the Gospel of Mark was written somewhere around A.D. 60, 64, most likely in Rome. It was around this time that persecution was really starting to bite. The The Roman Empire was really attacking the Christians. Nero was coming onto the scene. Paul had lost his life. Peter had lost his life. And now the church was bracing itself. Storm clouds were on the horizon. And so Mark writes his gospel. He wants us to know not only who Jesus is. He wants us to know how people respond to Jesus. It's not just a book about Jesus. It's a book about how people respond and become disciples of Jesus. And in this opening, in this opening message, we see right away that the call to follow Jesus is a call to the wildlife. Wild. I like the word wild. Wild. It, rem- it conjures up images of me riding through the Rockies in my leathers on my 49cc scooter. <laughs> the wind blowing through what's left of my hair. Wild. Wild. It reminds me of the outdoors man that I am when I took my family camping in Oregon and I was chased out of the campsite by a raccoon. Wow. Let's face it, wild is not normally a word that you associate with Christians. Yeah, he's gone really wild. He started going to church. Wow. Wild. He's got like snakeskin sandals now. What is this wild life all about? Let's have a look at the bulletin. First of all, wild living, wild living is a call for straight talk wild living calls for straight talk look at verse four and so john the baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins mark is a blunt talker we're going to see john the baptist is a a blunt talker do you like know me mean? do you ever get nervous around people who just say it the way it is it's it can be a little scary i i i met a dutch lady once i, I was speaking somewhere and she came up to me, she said, we Dutch people, we, we are very blunt. She said, if we think you're ugly, we'll tell you we think you're ugly. I said, oh, that's interesting. I said, nothing like that's ever happened to me. She said, so, you've never been to Holland then? <laughs> blunt. Mark is really straightforwardly blunt. He uses the name Jesus in the opening verses, a very common name, at least in the first 200 years uh, after Jesus was born. But then Mark uses the word Christ. Immediately, he wants us to know that he is staking a claim that Jesus is the anticipated Messiah. And then Mark straight away uses this phrase, Son of God. It's repeated throughout the gospel. Right from the start, Mark is saying, Jesus, Messiah, Son of God. There's no no hesitation. There's no apology. He is making the claim right from the start. And then John the Baptist stands up with his weird dietary habits and snacking on locusts. And he is... Blunt. If you put all four gospel records together, you will see that John the Baptist did not hesitate in the way that he spoke. Mark is blunt. John is blunt. Folks, if we're going to be wild Christians in the best sense of that word, there are going to have to be times when we have some straight talk. Let me, let me apply that. No preacher ever goes out of their way to irritate people and offend people. And you look at me, you might find that difficult to believe, but really it is true. There are going to be times when if I and the other members of the teaching team are going to do our job, we must allow the difficult passages of Scripture to challenge, to confront, to irritate, and even to offend us. And I want to make an appeal as we move further into this new year together as a Timberline family? Can we be a church where we can have tough conversations about controversial subjects and we won't all freak out and say, I'm offended because wild Christianity requires some tough talk. It's right at the beginning there of Mark. You see, why do we think we've got it all right? Why do we think that we're living in the period of Christian history, when we've got our theology absolutely right. I don't think we have. But we tend to think we're right, don't we? I came into Denver Airport last night completely unprepared for the weather change. And so I had a light jacket and a T-shirt. We'd parked our car off airport, so we had to wait for the van. You know that glorious wait where your nose is changing color? because of the cold. I turned to Kay. I said, honey, this is, this is getting dangerous. And uh, the van, every other parking lot van arrived and not our van. And, and, and suddenly our, a, a van appeared and Kay said, I think that's ours. I said, no, no, that's, it's, our, our one is yellow and white. That's silver. She said, I think it's ours. I said, no, trust me, it's not. <laughs> Why did they repaint the vans? <laughs> Stop it. For 20 minutes, we stood there, huddled together, and the guy showed up again. She said, I think it's our van. I said, it's our van. (laughs) Praise the Lord. We tend to think that we're right. Can we have some tough talk? Can we get into some controversial areas? Wild living is about tough talk at times. Secondly, wild living is about today. Wild living is about today, not yesterday or tomorrow. Look at verse 5. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. When I was growing up in uh, England, I mentioned this the searchlight evening, I always thought that I was a Christian. And when someone said to me, are you a Christian? I said, yeah, of course I am. I'm British. <laughs> How many of us know a really stupid idea? Do you know why I believe that? It wasn't just that I had this mad notion. I was suffering from a 1,700-year heritage hangover. There was a man called Constantine. Constantine, I think we have a picture of a sculpture, a bust of him, and he was a Roman emperor who had a, allegedly had a conversion experience, and he suddenly overnight decreed that every member of the Roman Empire was now Christian. Instead of persecuting the church, the church became respectable. It's one of the worst things that ever happened in Christian history. And so when I grew up in what used to be Roman Britain, believing that because I was British I was a Christian, it wasn't just because I had some arrogance about that. I was living with a heritage hangover. Do you see that? A kind of belief that because that's the way it was, that's the way it is. So what happens here, John? calls everybody to go out to the wilderness. The wilderness was very symbolic. The wilderness symbolized uh, victory where Joshua led the people across the Jordan. John was in the Jordan area into the promised land. Elijah and Elisha focused their ministries around The Jordan, there was this popular idea that the Messiah would appear in the desert. And so John calls the people out there. Some commentators say as many as 300,000 people might have been baptized in the wilderness by John. But you see, that's the shocking thing, because a Jew wouldn't be baptized. A Jew believed that if they kept the law and didn't reject God, that they were saved. And now John was saying to everybody, Jew and Gentile alike, it doesn't matter what your heritage is, get in the water. It's a level playing ground now. Challenging. I wonder, is it possible that some of us might think that we're Christians because grandma was a Christian? or we think that we're Christian because we've got a rich Christian heritage or because we attend church. And we lean on our heritage. And John's message was, come out and connect with your history. But now, today, make this real for you. Jew and Gentile alike are invited down into the waters of baptism. The third thing is that wild living calls for course adjustment. Wild living calls for course adjustment. Look at verse 5. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt round his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. Has anyone ever been by one of those street preachers who were kind of standing there with the big repent sign, and they're yelling and screaming at people, and and you're not sure how to react because you kind of admire their bravery but question whether it's the best way to communicate? One of the problems is that we tend to hear the word repentance and narrow its meaning, Someone has said a Christian is someone who is awfully worried that there is someone somewhere who is having fun and needs to repent of it. <laughs> repent! It can, all, it, it can seem just narrow like it's turning away from the bad stuff. But you see, we're listening to the word repentance through 21st century years, not first century years. Because the word repent in the first century meant something much broader. It included turning away from things that are wrong. But it was much broader than that. In AD 66, a a young Roman army officer called Josephus, he was later to become one of the most uh, well-known Roman historians, he heard of a group of insurgents who were out in the Judean wilderness planning to try and overthrow the Roman government. And he knew that these guys, there were just a handful of them, it was a suicide mission. He knew that they were doomed. He rode out to meet them, risking his own life, and explained to them how their method and tactics and strategy were all wrong. And then he said at the end of his speech, repent and believe in me. That gives us a rich understanding of the breadth of the word repent. You see, the word repent doesn't just mean turn from bad stuff. It means embrace a whole new agenda. Follow a whole new way of thinking about life. Christianity is not just a sin management system. Oh, did something wrong. God's unhappy. Sort that out. I say it again, repentance includes turning from things that are wrong, but it is much bigger than that. And this was a very decisive repentance. Imagine this. We've got a baptismal service next weekend here at Timberline in Fort Collins. Uh, I love, you like me, do you love baptismal services? I, I love them. Can, can you imagine doing the baptisms the way John did them? because it says they confess their sins. And the word there is exomologeo, which means to call them out loud. Imagine that, Pastor, Pastor Brent is being baptized. Well, Pastor Brent, uh, before we, before we uh, hold you under the water for a quarter of an hour, would you please, uh, would you please just confess your sins? For us, yes, I, I know it's going to take a long time, and perhaps you'd like to put them in alphabetical order. But we would appreciate it if you would just yell them out. Thank you very much. Okay, well, ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Brent and his sins. That's kind of what John did. I mean, this was very, very decisive. They were embracing a whole new way of thinking. How many of you came to the searchlight theater? Uh, evening, I, I hope you enjoyed that evening. And there was a moment in the evening when we were calling out the names of prodigals. And I will never forget the moment when someone, they may be here today, instead of calling out the name of a prodigal, just yelled out, myself! Wow. Eximologio. Yelling it out. I... There was no hesitation there. Repentance is embracing a new way of thinking. By the way, before we move on to the final point here, don't let anybody tell you that the way you think is not affected by what you watch. People say that. They they say it doesn't matter what you watch. It doesn't affect the way you live. Oh, really? So that would be why they're selling 30-second commercials this weekend for $3.5 million, wouldn't it? Because, you know, messages don't impact the way you live, do they? Repentance is about a change of mind, embracing a new agenda. Well, lastly, with this, we'll conclude this evening. Wild living, let me make this statement. Wild living is humanly impossible. Wild living is humanly impossible. Look at verses 7 and 8. And this was his message, After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John was saying, This whole new way of life is only going to be possible as you live that life supernaturally. I've said this before, I'm going to say it again. That's why Christianity is not just what would Jesus do. That's a good start. But what would Jesus do is about imitation, copying. It's not about empowering. I want to suggest to us it is impossible to live the Christian life without the empowering activity of God's Holy Spirit at work in our lives. A spiritless, Christless Christianity is hard work. Without me, you can do nothing, Jesus says. There'll be other times when we'll discuss what what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me say right now, what what we can do is heed the Apostle Paul's encouragement in Ephesians. He says, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Every day, let's ask God to fill us with the Holy Spirit so that the fruit will grow, so that transformation will happen. And, And how often do I forget that? Ladies, let me talk to you. How many of you, ladies, when you're out driving around with your husband, you suddenly notice this in the car. <laughs> I feel a wave of pain. And you say, "Honey, we're, we're out of gas." And, and, and the guy we say, "It's all right, honey. We, we, I, I've calculated it. We've got 17 miles left in the tank. It's like there is this masculine obsession will stay away from the gas station for as long as humanly possible and for me the perfect drive is to spend the last 500 yards with my car inhaling the leftover vapor from the gasoline Triumph. I do it all the time in England gasoline is $12 a gallon there So when I finally go into the gas station, it's with much weeping and gnashing of teeth. (laughs) But I don't want to live my Christian life like that. Always on the empty, scraping through, getting by. Jesus, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Enable us, by your power, to hear the call of the wild. Let's continue in prayer together, shall we? Lord, as we begin this journey through this eyewitness account, this exciting journal of activity and action, We thank you because we can determine even today to open ourselves up for straight talk. As John the Baptist was so blunt, as Mark was so straightforward about who Jesus was and is, we want to be a church that doesn't only want to be comforted, but can wrestle with difficult issues. And we pray, Lord, that when when your word demands that we dig in to difficult stuff, stuff that has potential for offense, stuff that we might disagree on in terms of its application, we pray for a maturity among us to be a church that can take tough talk. Lord, this episode presents many challenges, but I want us to focus, and I believe you want us to focus for a moment on this truth that it's not about our heritage, it's not about grandma being a Christian, It's not about just church going. It's about all of us deciding individually that we want to be followers of Jesus. And as our heads bowed today, I wonder how many of us would want to say, you know what, I'm I'm grateful for my heritage for being raised, as Brandon said wonderfully, for being raised in a godly Christian home. But I wonder how many of us would say, I need this to be real for me. I need to firm this up. John the Baptist was saying, whatever the history, what about now? It might be that you're making a decision today to become a Christian. It might be that you're making a decision to firm your commitment to Christ that you've kind of lived with, but now it's time to really embrace. But for whatever reason, if you want to respond to that, can I ask you just to lift your hand for a moment, please? And hold it there. Just do it right now. And then put your hand down. It's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Lord, we pray for each one who has raised a hand. We pray for the heart behind the hand. We pray, pray, God, that you'll show us what it means to embrace your agenda, to really be a people who know what repentance is. And we pray, finally, finally, that as this wild living is impossible without you, that you will fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit and empower us to live the Jesus life. We agree together in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. We're going to give and we're going to sing now. Thank you for your faithfulness in giving. If you're a guest, you don't have to give, pop that connection card in. Uh, to the offering plate as it comes by. I'd like our, uh, our ushers to uh, begin to receive the offering right away and let's sing and give and worship together. Yes, Lord. Thank you that you go with us into another week. We are not alone. Make your presence felt in us, with us, and through us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. How many are happy about the Super Bowl thing happening and you're excited? And ah. How many of you really couldn't care less? Well, whatever. Have a great weekend. God bless you. Prayer team are here. If we can pray with you, we'd love to. God bless.